while I was recovering from surgery and laying on my back for quite a bit of time, uh, listening online at first uh, to Brent and Chris preach, and then um, after a while being here, just listening to them preach, I, I had this recurring theme. I don't know if it was Satan or if it was just reality of like my legs numb and I don't know if I can walk again. Um, but I was like, what if I never preach again? <laughs> what if I can't do this job? And, um, you know, I know that sounds a little bit morbid and, and hey, I'm up here, so praise the Lord. So, so maybe we could switch it to when I get to preach again, what will I preach is what I was thinking. And uh, when I get to preach again, what will I preach? And what if I can only do it a couple weeks or, you know, like you just think of all these things, what would I say first? And so this series really got birthed out of that um, kind of thought process. And I thought, well, if I got a free pass, a fresh start at this, and I could just start the church all over again, here's the three things I would preach on. Repentance, forgiveness, and love. These are themes in the Bible that are just recurring over and over. I got to keep coming back to repentance. I got to keep coming back to forgiveness. I got to keep coming back to love again and again and again. You can't get old. Those can't get old. You can't get sick of that. So uh, this year, as we move on into a new year as we have a fresh start, as we leave the old sin patterns behind. Isn't that what everybody wants? New Year's resolution people, right? As we leave the old behind, as we press on to the new, praise God that we even have that hope of a great future in the power of Jesus Christ. I just, I just want to preach on repentance. Just one message on repentance I mean, I could preach each of the passages I'm going to put up on the screen or turn to. I could preach a whole message on each one of them. So this is a bit daunting. <laughs> but I'm going to give you a plethora, okay, of, of verses on repentance. I really want to change this year. I really want it to be different. I really, really, really want to repent, Right? So, repentance is what I'm going to teach on today because, here's the first point, change starts with repentance. If I really want to change, change starts with repentance. That's where it starts. Repentance is a major theme in Scripture. I uh, printed out all the times that it says uh, repent or repentance and uh, read through them all. It was quite a uh, fun thing. I usually do that when I preach on a topic. In the Old Testament, I noticed something. Every prophet in the Old Testament had one message. Guess what it was? That was weak. Guess what it was? Oh, good guess. Okay. Repent. I mean, they like showed up. Jonah showed up at Nineveh and he was like, repent. Have a nice day. All right? And they did. All of these prophets, one word, they're like, repent, repent, repent. Um, Ezekiel 18.30 says this, Therefore I will judge you, O house of Israel, everyone according to his ways, declares the Lord God, repent and turn from all your transgressions, that's your sins, lest your iniquity, that's your sin, be your ruin. Everybody understands sin in this room. Everybody knows that sin is a pit you fall in. It will cause ruin. Everybody knows that we need to turn from it, and repentance is that turning. 
It continued on, right? I throw another scripture up there, Matthew 3, 2. Guess who said this? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Guess who said that? After 400 years of silence, didn't we, we studied that out over Christmas, right? 400 years of silence, John the Baptist comes on the scene, and guess what? His message is the same as the prophet's. Repent! He says, be baptized, right? For repentance of your sin. And then Jesus comes on the scene, right? Because John brought Jesus out. And Jesus comes on the scene. And in Matthew 4, 17, he says this. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, what does it say? Repent. I mean, do you see a theme? Like every like, major preacher in the Bible is like, here's a, here's a message. Repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I mean, some of us are living in eternal life, right? We've repented of our sin, and we're coming back to it again. And then Jesus sends out the 12 apostles, and guess what? They, they have a message too. Guess what that message is? It's not hard. This is a really easy message, actually. It's really easy. Mark 6, 12 says, So they went out and proclaimed that people should repent. So I have a message for you today. Change starts with repentance. Now, some of you are like, hmm. Well, I remember Jesus said in Luke uh, 5.32, Jesus said, I have come to call, not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. We're all in church. He didn't come for us. He came for them. Some of us, are sitting in church, whether we're willing to say the words out loud or not, that's what we're thinking. This message isn't really for me. I've already repented. And to that, I just want to remind you to think again, which is repentance. Repentance is a change in thinking. Romans 3.10 says, none is righteous, no, not one. Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Everybody say all. What does all mean? I mean, just taking the scriptures literally, right? So you might want to turn to your neighbor and just say, that means me. Go ahead. I'll catch the other one too. Even if you're on the aisle, you can look across. That, that means me. You got to know your pastor spent a lot of time this week and over the last four weeks thinking about, I had more time to think than I've ever had in my life. Thinking about thinking. Thinking about repenting. Thinking about changing that thinking that I have. We all need to change, and change starts with repentance. Let me give you a definition. I know you're all antsy. You're holding your Bible like, he's going to turn, he's going to turn, he's going to turn. I am going to turn but I got a lot of passages for you. If you want to flip your Bible open, if it makes you feel better, 2 Corinthians 7. Go ahead. All right, so I'm going to continue on. Repentance. Repentance is a recognition of sin followed by heartfelt sorrow, okay? We're going to talk about that in 2 Corinthians 7, culminating in a change of behavior. Repentance isn't one of those things, 
It's just not recognizing sin. Oh, I'm a sinner. Slap a post-it note on that. That's sin. Move on. It's not just that. It's followed by heartfelt sorrow. I'm grieved over that. And there's two different kinds of grief. You're going to see it in the scriptures, worldly and godly. Only one kind of grief is actually repentance, godly grief. And then culminating in a change of behavior. See, something happens, right? Something happens when I truly repent. I have fruit. I bear fruit in keeping with repentance is what the Bible says. So in every choice to sin, and we've all made choices to sin, there is a self-deception. Do you know this? Do you know this, that you deceive yourself when you decide to sin? And we do decide to sin. It's our decision. We get to pick. You're like, but God's sovereign. Yeah, but you have a free will. You're colliding and you're winning when you're sinning. God's will is not that you be sinning. So there's this self-talk. The self-talk says, just one time, this will make me happy. Nothing bad will happen. I'll hide it. No one will know. It's not hurting anyone. Does this sound familiar (laughs) at all? I have to do this. This is the way I am. I've always been this way. I'll be fine. Everyone does it especially for those of you that are in school, that one works really good. Everybody's doing it. Look at my friends. I'll just do it and then ask God to forgive me later, etc., etc., etc. Does this sound familiar to anyone? How do I fall for the same thing again and again and again? I know all these. I wrote them down. And yet later this week, one of those will work, and it's a choice to deceive yourself. And what you're really saying, so we're really clear, I want to be really clear. What you're really saying is, this is what you're saying. I'm right, God's wrong. That hurts, doesn't it? Like when I wrote this down, I was like, ah! Because that's what I'm really saying when I choose. When I self-talk myself into, it's not a big deal, I'm saying I'm right and God's wrong. And here's what you have to know. As repentance is a turn. It's a 180. It's the other side, right? God's right, I'm wrong. God is right and I am wrong. God's been here a lot longer than you have. Matter of fact, he made it all. He knows how it works. He wrote a book to tell you how to live and the best way to live. And I'm just telling you, we have to agree with him. And when we do, it goes really, really well. And when we don't, it hurts really, really bad. You have to change your mind. if you're going to repent. And repentance is changing your mind. Okay? So anybody have like a passage, a go-to passage? This, I'm going to test you just a little bit. I'm going to see if you're really into repentance or not. Because if you are really into repentance, you probably have any, any passage of scripture can get you there, but you probably have one or two that you're like, these are my go-tos. Right? Anybody have one or two passages? You're like, 
That's my go-to. When I'm in the ditch, this will get me out. I'll go there. Anybody have stuff like that? Yeah? Yeah? What? Psalm 51. That's the one I wrote down. Psalm 51 needs to be written down on everybody's paper right now. Or just memorize it. That's the best thing you could remember from the message. Psalm 51, if you're in the ditch, go there. This is a get out of the ditch passage. And when I want to come back to the Lord, I go to Psalm 51. Write that passage down. I hope you have some other passages that you really are after. Um, I'm going to open my Bible now. Are you happy? Everybody happy? Good. All right. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. This is number 2. Change starts with repentance and then this. Change is hard. But it's worth it. Change is hard. But it's worth it. If hard change was easy, everyone would be doing it. But repentance is a crisis. Nobody wants to live in crisis. No, nobody wants to repent. But it's a crisis that leads to a process. And when you fail in the process, you go back to the crisis. So today I'm hoping will be your crisis. I'm hoping that many people will be down here on their face, wetting the floor with their tears. And that you will come to a crisis. But, 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 but then you're going to walk out of here and you're going to be like, ah, oh, that was great. And now I'm going to go live. And you're going to self-talk yourself into sinning again. And that's the process. When you fail in the process, you return to the crisis. So does anybody know how uh, repentance works? You ever seen it in somebody's life? I've said this a lot of times. I know James, James McDonald taught me a lot of things, and this is one of those that I just really I keep coming back to you go walking along, I'm too sexy for my shirt, and then a boulder drops on you. The boulder comes in many different shapes and sizes with different labels. Might be divorce, might be a financial crisis, might be a loss of job, might be, I don't, I don't know what it is. It changes for everyone. Might be back, boom! And then you're like, right? That's the crisis. But what happens after the crisis when you're like feeling great and you're not 80%, you're 100%? Will you forget the crisis? You got to come back to that again and again and again. And it's hard. It's hard. Nobody wants to live in a perpetual state of repentance. That's hard. But that's what God's called us to because we're sinners saved by grace. Let me read this passage for you. This is uh, a letter written to the Corinthians. The Corinthians were the most sinful church in all of the New Testament. And they had sinned so much, Paul had written letters to them, four of them. We have two in our Bible. He had written four letters to them, basically saying, Repent! Right? Matter of fact, one was so short, maybe it was just written, just repent, Paul. Okay? Maybe that's why it's not in the scriptures, okay? Like, it was just really short. And, and here's what he says about it. Verse 8 of chapter 7. For even if I made you grieve with my letter, yeah, the little one, the postage tape one, repent, 
I do not regret it. What does it say next? Though I did regret it. Anybody that knows me and knows that I've preached up here for seven years now knows that there are times where I'm like, ah, was I too hard? Was that too, was that, did, was that love? Was that grace and truth or just truth or just grace or like, so I think I really relate to what he's saying here. I, I, I don't regret it because God told me to say it, but, but I, I did regret it because I was like, oh, they don't like me anymore. For I see that the letter grieved you, though only for a while. Isn't that the truth? Crisis for a while and then, ah, well, I need another crisis. As it is, I rejoice, not because you were grieved, but because you were grieved into repenting. Metanoia, that's the Greek word. You were grieved into changing your mind, into repenting, into going the other way. For you felt a godly grief, so that you suffered no loss through us. What does that mean? There wasn't a sever of relationship. You, you came back to the relationship. You said, no, I want to be with you. I want to be with God. I don't want my sin. And so we stayed together. Sin didn't separate us. It's a good thing. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to, what does it say? Salvation. Some of you guys think that salvation is a point in time, and I would loosely agree. But the Bible says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And Paul wrote, lest I be disqualified. What does that word mean? You go look it up. Lest I don't make it to heaven. Lest I'm not saved, he's like saying. You're like, Paul, not saved? What? In Romans 7, he's like, I'm a mess. What's wrong with me? Why do I do the things I don't want to do all the time? This is Paul. He wrote most of the New Testament. So lest we think repentance was like, I was five and I said a prayer because I thought I was a sinner because my mom told me I was. I didn't really know I was, but I thought I was. Like repentance is a continual thing and we need to come back to it again and again. And it creates a godly grief that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. I just want to say this, like, he's not talking about physical death there. Who's going to die physically? Nobody needs to write that in the scriptures. Nobody needs to be told they're going to die. Everybody knows that's going to happen. That's not what he's saying. He's saying there's a spiritual death, a separation from God. We were all born spiritually dead, but we repented, right? We repented and we were alive in Christ. And then sometimes we want to walk away and we need to come back. Godly grief is a good thing. Worldly grief just produces spiritual death. For see what earnestness this godly grief has produced in you, but also what eagerness to clear yourselves, what indignation, what fear and longing, what zeal. I could go on and gone. <laughs> they repented of their sin. They repented of the sin that they were allowing in the church. 
It was hard, but it was worth it. It was hard, but it was worth it. Some of you are thinking it's not hard. Jesus is love. Not my Jesus. Jesus is love. I read the Bible and Jesus is love. Like when he came and he died on the cross, sin doesn't matter anymore. If sin doesn't matter anymore, then nobody has to be saved. Saved from what? So I just, I just want to just point you to a couple scriptures if that's what you're saying as I preach. Just go to Revelation 2 and 3. It's red letters for a reason. It's Jesus saying it. And he says in those two chapters to seven churches, repent several times. Repentance is a thing. It's hard, but it's worth it. Repentance isn't where we visit. It's where we live, right? We should live at repentance, in repentance. It's not just a place to go visit once in a while. I have to ask this question because I had to ask it of myself. Is it possible that today you won't repent because you've really never repented before? Is it possible that it was just worldly grief that leads to regret and to spiritual death? I had to think long and hard on that. You know, I came out on it believing that was the day, January 15th, right? But, but I had to think about it, and I think that's okay. It's okay. I'm not trying to ask you to question your salvation, none of that. I'm just saying, like, look at the signs. Are you repentant? Because this eternity hangs in the balance. You don't want to be, like, going to church, like, I'm going to heaven, and then all of a sudden, like, die and be like, I'm not there. What happened? So repentance is a thing. And if we're not willing to repent today, why not? And have we ever really repented before? Because genuine repentance should be continuing. Acts 3, I'm just going to put it on the screen uh, to get the second part of this point. It's worth it. Repent, therefore, and turn again that your sins may be blotted out. That's worth it. That God doesn't look at your sin anymore. He doesn't see it anymore as far as east as west. Yeah, yeah. He's not going to bring it up to you. He's not going to say, I remember that one time when you, sometimes my spouse does that. Sometimes I do that to my spouse, right? Well, remember when you, like, that's not, that's not forgiveness. That's not repentance, right? Like, that's not it. That times of refreshing may come. See, it's worth it. It's worth it. On the other side, I remember when I, the first time I admitted, like, my pornography addiction to my wife, I remember the the hardness of that, how hard it was. But then I remember the times of refreshing that have come from that. It's worth it. It hurt, but but it's good. May come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus. All right, this, this third thing, repentance is a gift from God and a choice I make. He may send to you Jesus, right? It's a gift from God. God's gonna give it to you, but you, you gotta, it's, it's the choice you make too. It's the choice I make. So, so let me give you a few uh, scriptures. I can't turn to all of them. So 
Acts, a ton on repentance in Acts, if you want to read through that. Acts chapter 5, verse 31. Let me read it for you. God exalted him, who is that? Jesus, at his right hand as leader and savior to, what does it say? To give repentance. God gives repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Okay, and then Acts eleven eighteen. look at this one. Okay, when they heard these things, they fell silent. They're like, whoa, it's kind of quiet in here today. Great, great sermon to come back to. <laughs> Couldn't we just itch ears and feel good about it today? If I could only give you one message, right? This is it. Because this is it. This is eternity. And they glorified God saying, then to the Gentiles also God has, what does it say? Granted repentance. It's coming from God that you repent today. That leads to life. It leads to spiritual life. They're already alive. He's talking about spiritual life, true life. And then this, 2 Timothy chapter 2, 24 through 26. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach. Maybe that's some things that we can repent of today. Patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponent with gentleness. That's a tough word for me. God may perhaps grant, do you see that? Grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of truth, and they may come to their senses. Come to their senses. That's what I'm asking you to do today and every day. And escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. That's pretty clear. Turn over to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, see the poster boy for repentance in the New Testament is the prodigal son. This is the guy who got it all wrong and then got it all right. Chapter 15 in Luke, just make a note of that in your notes. Go read that this week. I can't read it all, but um, he talks about three uh, different stories here. He talks about the lost sheep. He's like, I'm going to go get the lost sheep, and when I do, I'm going to rejoice. Just so I tell you, there will be more rejoicing, more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. If you came here today and you're like, I don't need to repent, that's not creating a lot of joy in heaven. But one sinner, one sinner saved by grace, who's like, I need repentance again today, and there's like a party in heaven. It's pretty awesome. And then the parable of lost coins, same verbiage. I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And then he gets into the prodigal son. He says, there was a man who had two sons. Where's his wife? And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Why would a dad do that? Why wouldn't he just say, get out? I don't know this. I'm not trying to make this up. But like, where's mom? And if mom died, because you know, he's so hard on the prodigal son. He's such a moron. What's wrong with him? Saying to his dad, give me your repentance. I wish you were dead is what he's saying. But you got to think this guy was hurting. Maybe his mom died and he wished his dad died instead of his mom because he's a mama's boy. Anybody? 
I mean, life's full of painful stuff. And we go into scripture, we're like, oh, it's just this pain. And he's responding in pain, but he's sinning. He's like, give it to me now. And he gives it to him. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had, took it on a journey to a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. And then, after he had spent everything, a severe famine rose in the country, and he began to be in need. This is why we have to be careful who we give to, because he began to be in need, right? Nobody gave him anything. It's going to say that in a second. So he needed something. When we need something, we turn to, hopefully, God. So he went, hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, and he sent to him into the fields to feed the pigs, and he was longing to feed with the pods that the pigs ate. That's gross. So first he thought like a pig, then he lived like a pig, and now he's in the pigsty wishing he was a pig so he could eat. And it says, and no one gave him anything. We live in a cruel world, don't we? No one gave him anything. That's the world. Take, don't give. Take, don't give. But there is a biblical principle here. Sometimes we don't give to our kids what they shouldn't have, and that's a good thing. So let's not get between God and his work. Let's just let that be clear. Verse 17, I'm just going to finish with this. Then when he came to himself, literally when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants who worked for him, right, have more than enough bread. But I perish here with hunger. And he makes a plan. I will rise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. That's repentance right there. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he rose and came to his father. Number three, repentance is a gift from God and the choice I make. So you're like, well, yeah, there's a lot of choice there. He came to himself, that's intellect. He, he said, Father, I have sinned, no longer worthy to be called uh, your son. Hey, that's emotion, right? He's grieved by his sin, godly grief. And then three, he, he, he's like, I will rise and go to my father. He rose and came to his father. That's will. He used intellect, emotion, will. He changed his mind. Intellect, emotion, will. Change of mind. So how's the father going to respond? Get out of here. Right? You guys already know the story, so it doesn't affect you, does it? So we ought to think he's going to come home and get a lashing. Right? Sure, yeah, you can work for me if you want. You're working on the bottom pile. Work your way up. You're getting half the pay because you squandered everything I gave you. But that's not what happened. Repentance is a gift from God. Don't forget that. It's a gift from God and the choice I make. Repentance is a gift from God. Look what the Father does. 
But while he was still a long way off, are you a long way off from God today? His father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. Are you feeling like God's turned his back on you today? Because I just got to say, God hasn't turned his back on you. You've turned your back on him. And honestly, you turned your back and started walking this way. You know where God is? Right behind you. Just turn around. He's not a long way off. He's right behind you. When he sees you turn, he's going to run. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against you and before heaven. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And the father said to him, bring quickly a, the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes for his feet. He didn't have any shoes anymore. And bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this son who was dead... Is he dead? No. Spiritually dead is now alive, restored to relationship with God. He was lost and is now found, and they began to celebrate. So today might feel like a, oh, I hate this message, but it's a party. It's a party. Repentance, here's another way you could say it. If I could go back, I would do it differently. Do you feel that way? If you do, then repent. Tell God, I wish I could do that again. God, I wouldn't do it like that. I'd do it like this. I'd do it your way. I agree with you. I'm wrong and you're right. I'd do it differently. Real quickly, I just got to give you these to end or you're not going to know if you're in true repentance or not. So these are from James McDonald. We've been doing a study in our... Um, um, small group called Think Differently. I know some small groups have done this study. It's a really good thing to change your mind. These are marks of true repentance. Let me just end the message with these quick marks because I'm sure you're thinking, I want to repent, but how do I know for sure if my repentance is real, if it's genuine, if it's true? Well, here's how you know. Marks of true repentance. Number one, I have grief over my sin. Godly grief. Godly grief over my sin. Number two, repulsion towards my sin. That is the one I struggle with the most. Why do I still think that way? Why do I still want that thing? If I could get away with it, I'd still do that. Why? Because I'm not repulsed over my sin. You should be repulsed over your sin. What used to rouse you ought to repulse you. What used to be a desire of yours ought to displease you. I don't want to do that anymore. And that's really the hardest part for me. I don't want that. Number three, restitution towards others. My sin is hurt. You're not right with God if you're not right with people <laughs> that you've hurt. Sometimes you got to go back and confess your sin. Confess your sin as faithful and just to forgive your sin and to cleanse you for all unrighteousness. Confession should be a normal thing in a church. It shouldn't be like, oh, Omar, are you serious? You had an abortion? What? 
Yeah, and you overate last week. Sin is sin. Okay? There's not like these like exalted sins. I got the big D. I can't do anything in the local church. Repent of your sin. Make it right when you can. Go to the people. It's really hard when you can't make it right. It's easy to pay $10 to somebody you told $10 from. If you committed adultery with somebody's wife, you can't give that back. That's tough. But try to make it right. Hope he doesn't kill you. This fourth thing, sorry I belabored that a bit. Guess we needed to hear that. Number four, revival towards God, my Father. A restoration of my relationship. Do you feel when you're in the Spirit when you're not? Like this, sometimes I'm just like, where are you, Lord? I, sh- I want to be with you, and I'm not. And then I know sin's the issue. I know it's not him, it's me. And I'm trying to come back to him, and I'm like, God, I want to be. And, and genuine repentance, you will feel right with God. Revival, revive me, Lord. And then this, uh, future-focused. We're not looking back at sin, it's behind us. We're looking forward at the future. We're making plans for what's going to be, not going, ah, oh, ah. Oh. All the regret, that's worldly grief. If I could go do it again, I'd do it different. That's it. Done. I'm going to go do it different this time because I'm going to have plenty more chances if God allows me to live. What God loves most about you is not that you're perfect, but that you're changing to be more like his son, Jesus Christ. Stop the perfection train and start having some traction, some progress in your Christian walk. Now, this is a long message. There's lots of things I could say. I just want to close the message with this. You're not sinless. You're forgiven. Okay? Everybody say it now. I'm not sinless. I'm forgiven. When are you forgiven? When you ask for it. When you repent. When you say, God, I need you. You're not sinless, you're forgiven. Now let's act like it. Let's act like it, all right? Hey, it's time to repent. That, that times of refreshing may come. This is the best way we could start our new year. Getting on our face before God and saying, God, I'm wrong, you're right, this area, be specific. Ask him to forgive you, move on. Don't go back down that street. Don't fall back in that pit again. Move forward. Put up some goals, some fences. Put up some change in your life. And let it be different by God's grace and for his glory. All right? Let's stand. We're going to stand. I'm going to pray. And I'm going to open this up. I want you to be kneeling down here, laying down here, whatever you want to do. When I'm thinking about repentance, I'm thinking, get as low as I can, as fast as I can. If, if you don't want to come down here, get, get low where you're at. Get on your knees, turn that chair into an altar, whatever you have to do. I haven't been specific with your sin because I don't know your sin. I know my sin. I've mentioned a few things. I tried not to get too crazy with it, but I'm telling you. True repentance comes with action. It comes with a change in behavior. 
So let today be the crisis and then return to this crisis many times this week in the process of like true change. Let me pray for us that way. God, would you prick my heart? Like you've been doing all week. There's things in my life that aren't pleasing to you. They need to change. I know it. I want it. I need you to give me the gift of repentance. And it's the choice I'm going to make today. It's hard, God, but it's worth it. This change starts with repentance. And I want you to mark me with the repentance of a genuine nature. Make it clear, God, that we're not going back again, that this is the way. And we're going to walk in it. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, I pray this. Change us, God. Amen.